0: Less than a third of California students can read and do math at grade level. And now, schools are parting ways with disciplinary action, leaving students with no repercussions and no accountability. When it
1: comes to students, we're dealing with a very big issue of defiance, disrespect, disruptions in class. By the end of the year, it's just mayhem.
0: It's why teachers want to give up. Is the increase of disruptive behavior by the students having an impact on their overall education?
1: 95% is my worry about the misbehaving in class. And the 5% of my effort and time goes to actually worrying about teaching them. It's a very helpless feeling and it's really bizarre. It's really awkward to have a child punk you on a middle school campus without immediate action. It's going to be past the point of no return.
0: Why are schools getting rid of such long-standing form of character development? And what effects will it have on our future generations?
1: Ultimately, when it comes to these students, this lack of respect will certainly bleed into the public arena and will contribute to the breakdown of
0: law and order. My guest today is an educator in California and will remain anonymous to avoid any retaliation. So let's hear an insider's view on what is happening inside our school walls. I'm Siamai Korami, welcome to California Insider.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We want to talk to you about a phenomenon in California, 30% of kids can read and do math, almost about 30% can read and do math at grade level. Unfortunately, we interviewed Frank Shu on this topic, who's a parent, is concerned about this. And he brought up the fact that teachers are not qualified, and kids are not getting good education in the public schools. You're a teacher. You saw this interview. What are you trying to do with coming on?
1: Uh, just need to tell people they need to know what's going on in the school system. Um, I would, I would guess that a lot of parents don't realize the kind of poisonous environment their child is in. That they're surrounded by other students that they shouldn't be around. Not only because it could be a, you know, uh, an influence on their own child's behavior you know, and that they might pick up on stuff you know, from the other students in the room, but it's just a bad learning environment. They're not going to excel in a classroom like that, no matter how good the teacher is. You know, no matter how much money the school has, or all the resources, or computers, or iPads, or whatever the school has, it's not gonna matter if the, if the environment in the classroom is not controlled with well-established boundaries that can be maintained and enforced.
0: It's just not gonna happen. Tell us what is going on in the school system.
1: So I've, I've been teaching for about 20 years, and I've run the gamut from elementary all the way up and through college. I'm currently at a middle school and high school right now. And when it comes to students, we're dealing with a, a, a very big issue of defiance, disrespect, disruptions in class, attendance, um, tardies, hostility on campus, both from student to student, student to teacher, student to administrator, I'm sure. And I would just say, across the board, kind of a degradation of student quality, both in academics and social.
0: Is the rising inflation at odds with your goals of securing your savings and retirement? Don't let your savings and retirements be impacted by government policies and decisions. For over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, stock market crashes, and here's the great news. You can get it, you can still get it. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax shelter retirement account. Visit birchgoldcom California to claim your free info kit on gold. With almost 20 years of experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs, Bursch Gold can help you. Protect yourself with gold today by visiting Birchgold.com and secure your future with gold. Start today with a free info kit. Just visit burschgold.com California. Can you give us some examples? Because we don't know what's going on on campus. Like, so True. you're a teacher. Uh, can you give us some of these examples of where kids are not behaving? W- what do they look like now?
1: So a student walks in five minutes late, six minutes late, and I say, uh, you're, you're five minutes late, take your seat. Oh, I'm cool, I'm just chilling. And I'm like, no, you're not cool. You're not just chilling. Take your seat now. You've disrupted class already. And we're gonna con- I'm going to continue this conversation with you when this class is over, which is unfortunately not by, not by my part, but it's an empty threat to them because they know that if I contact the office or send them to the office or something, the office is going to sit down with them, have a heart-to-heart talk, have them fill out a behavior contract or a reflection form, and that's all that's going to happen to them. And so they capitalize on this sort of joke of accountability that's going on. So I'll tell them to sit down and uh, you know, they'll they'll say, no, I'm just chilling. Oh yeah, Peterson's just trying to make me, you know, d- you know, pull out my workbook or whatever. And
0: uh, yeah, ha ha ha. They're gonna... That's in the middle of the class, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And they and might be as they're kind of walking in front of me across the room or something, which is a big no, no. You know, you're not supposed to, these are just what, Maybe 10, 20 years ago would have been universally understood facts, you know, regarding respect and stuff. You don't just walk in front of the teacher or walk behind the teacher to get to your chair. You know, if you're already in trouble for walking in late, you kind of meekly go over to tiptoe over to your seat. Don't draw any attention to yourself. That was that's a sign of a student that is aware that they're doing something wrong. You know, and it's the opposite now. So, um, another example would be just an unbelievable amount of cursing,
0: you know, like. So people using bad words, yeah. in the class.
1: in the class, outside the class, like just everywhere, which I won't repeat here, the exact Talking words. to the teachers? Is- to the teachers, to other students in the room, in the middle of class, you know, which, I mean, I'm not some, I'm not a prude, you know, it's not like I never say bad words, but the, everyone's gotta know there's a time and a place, you know, you can't do it in a classroom. And, you know, or I have students that, are communicating back and forth with each other in the room, flipping a middle finger, stuff like that. It just doesn't doesn't belong in a classroom.
0: In the uh, middle of class. Yeah. Uh,
1: if you, I have had students where, if I send them to the office, like all the way to the office, their heads turned around backwards with like a sinister grin on their face, looking back at me. Yeah, you know, like the, the grin on their face of like, I know nothing's waiting for me when I get there. <laughs> like. This is all just a big punchline, a big joke.
0: do the teachers feel that they could get bullied by these guys oh yeah f- feel bullied oh
1: yeah, oh yeah, definitely it's a it's a very helpless feeling, and it's really bizarre it's really awkward to have a child you know punk you on a middle school campus it's it's just it's very unnatural
0: so <laughs> you can't do anything about it
1: no, no, not really, and it's bad enough it's it's irritating and frustrating and aggravating enough to really look forward to not being a part of this anymore. It's not our job to correct student behavior, right? It's the administrator's job to correct the behavior. They are diametrically opposed to things like detention, uh, Saturday school, work detail. So why
0: has detention gone away? Is, is do you guys do detention anymore or you don't no. do
1: <laughs> no they don't well my guess would be probably a combination cocktail of one of these three or four things one of them would probably be administrators simply just not wanting to do the job it might just be laziness you know or the unwillingness to really confront the issue and deal with it deal with the student and have to look like the bad guy right they they want to be friends with the student they want to have this um, correcting students in a soft-hand friendly manner kind of approach, which absolutely will not work. Um, Number two would be liberal wokeness mindset. I'm sure is probably a big part of it. Number three would be that maybe they want to do it all the correct way, but they're getting some kind of pressure from on top that says, you know, either from the school board or Sacramento or something that says, no, you can't do that anymore whatever it is it's weakness (laughs) that's that's what it comes down to a leader needs to have the strength to confront these issues directly and correct them immediately and effectively and they're not so it won't really matter how much how responsible or how organized i am in the room by the end of the year it's just mayhem you know it's just well it's why teachers want to give up
0: have you thought about giving up because of this?
1: I've been teaching for close to 20 years, and I've thought about giving up for about 19. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I, I'm planning my exit strategy all the time. It's, I, I do think without immediate action, uh, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be past the point of no return.
0: We only have 30% of kids that can do math at grade level and 31% that can do English at grade level. Do you think it's going to get worse? It means out of one out of every three kids can actually do it at grade level. They can actually keep up with the grade in California public schools. Yeah, it's going to get worse. Do you think it can get worse? Oh yeah, it's
1: going to get worse. The, the the distractions and the disruptions are one of the biggest obstacles, no doubt. So a question that comes up often enough is where really does the where does the buck stop? Where does the responsibility lie to deal with these students? in a a decent comparison would be what a shopkeeper has with his police department. And imagine someone's in your shop and they want to steal from you, and they're holding you at gunpoint. You call the police, and the police say, "Well, you deal with it," but you can't use a gun and you can't defend yourself. You just have to kind of ignore that it's there and be nice to him, and you know, and explain to the explain to the guy with the gun how it benefits him by not robbing you. You know, or this kind of soft hand approach around things. So that kind of conundrum is what we find ourselves in all the time because we're being undermined by the administration and then still being expected by the administration plus the state of California to have control of our room. And yes, granted, you know, a lot of teachers might be teaching in their room and not qualified to do that kind of a thing, but even the ones who are, have their hands
0: tied behind their back. So teachers are stuck in this position. I would say so, yeah.
1: And even a student or even a teacher who really might not be qualified um, to be teaching in a classroom, you know, ultimately will come to the realization that this is unfair. <laughs> you know, even even that person will figure out that they're being that they're dealing with abuse almost, you know, in the room by by children.
0: What do your colleagues feel about it?
1: They're just as frustrated and aggravated as I am, but they either they're afraid to bring it up to the office, I haven't been afraid to bring it up to the office and I haven't made friends doing so, but I am discovering the futility. So usually I can keep my class under pretty good control with a a lot more effort than necessary. I would guess that others, teachers don't do what I do other teachers comply with these inconsistent and you know contradictory directives and their grades are suffering you know the whole class is falling apart they're going home crying in their car on the way home <laughs> you know you hear these stories all the time from teachers just going home a complete wreck and I've been there before not you know I haven't broken down and started crying so to speak but I've been to the point where like I'm dreading every moment of the weekend because Monday's coming up and i'm going to be dealing with these students that i shouldn't have to be dealing with in my life it's just
0: can you tell us what drove you there what happened it's some, some <laughs> i
1: wish i could but i'm trying to think of a, an example that so From some of your colleagues that have been y- yeah um it's like students just coming in the room and it's just mockery you know they they're just so defiant and so disruptive and dismissive and disrespectful in class and you know that if it's it's like a cavity in a tooth and if you don't drill that out right away it just keeps festering it keeps getting worse and it only takes sometimes it only takes a couple days you know before the four or five more students get the little thought in their head to do the same thing you know and then now you got that problem that fire to put out and I mean, really, in just a couple of minutes, a whole class can deteriorate into just mayhem.
0: How much of your worry is about teaching the kids and how much of your worry is about them misbehaving in class?
1: Like 95% to 5%. Like 95% is my worry about the misbehaving in class. And the 5% of my effort and time goes to actually worrying about teaching them. Here's another example. So. Um, when my, when I was talking to the administration about the importance of correcting behavior with discipline, penalty, so on, and they were saying, well, you know, the thing, the the real key to disciplining a student is making them want to follow the rules, speaking to them to the point where they, they want to obey, or they understand how it's, good for them to follow the rules. I'm like, that all sounds great. I was like, here's one thing that I can guarantee you I care about and all of the faculty on your campus. When it comes to matters of discipline, the only thing that we care about is the way that we're being treated on campus as a whole by the student body. And when I, and when I say we, I'm talking about me and all of the good, good behaving students in the room. That's what I care about. And it's your job as the administrator to establish and maintain order on this campus with your faculty and the student body, and that is certainly not happening.
0: Do you think this ab- new approach to dealing with discipline is at the expense of the consequences that are paid for by teachers and the good behaving?
1: Oh yeah. It's it feels like you know, we have uh, like a high power motor, like a, a muscle car, that we're dragging through the mud. You know, you're doing all this work to get so little, and you could, you could be achieving so much in the classroom. And you, it, it sort of sounds cliche, and a lot of people say it, but it really does come down to it could be one student in the room that ruins the entire year for that class. And it's, it's unnecessary effort and work that goes into it, unfortunately.
0: And you mentioned 95% of your efforts in the classroom goes to Uh discipline. You're Uh worried about that. What about your colleagues? I would
1: would venture to guess that they would agree. I haven't spoken with the entire faculty about it, but I've been taking kind of my own little personal survey, you know, when I speak to them in the staff room and stuff, and they all resoundingly (laughs) agree with everything that I'm saying, yeah. They're fed up and they're giving up if they're not actually literally resigning, you know, and quitting, they're doing it just in their career. They're showing up and they're getting the paycheck and they're doing the bare minimum as possible. And I don't blame them (laughs) because it's like I said, it's not, it's totally not worth it. And they're essentially faced with three options. Option number one is you obey all these contradictory directives. Right, and just survive the mayhem until the summertime and then rinse. So you just the put repeat. up with it Yeah,
0: and let the kids do whatever they want. Yeah. And, and then they d- might shame you or whatever they do. and mm-hmm. you just
1: Yeah. Uh, option number two is to disregard these contradictory directives and in hopes of establishing and maintaining order in your room because you're the person who's at least attempting to do it the right way, But uh, now you run the risk of disciplinary action against you. You could
0: get into trouble because now I'm
1: breaking the rules, right? Because I'm not obeying what was told, you know, or that the directives that were given down to me from the administration. And it's funny how all of these disciplinary actions they have no problem with implementing when it's a teacher, you know, disregarding. These contradictory rules, right? Oh, suddenly, now we have a <laughs> you know a discipline. So program. teachers
0: would get disciplined. You got but it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the third the third course of action, or the third option, is yeah, just to give up. Yeah. And you just yeah you become kind of the the staple public school teacher. You know, the one that's made fun of on TV shows. The one that shows up and just you know knits their socks in the corner and <laughs> you know lets the kids do whatever they want. And like I said, I don't really blame them because when it comes to any, all three of these options, all roads lead to Rome and Rome is burning to the ground.
0: Why are other teachers, but we don't hear much about this problem from teachers. Why are teachers being quiet about this problem if a lot of them are facing this challenge? You said 95% of their time and worry, is kind of around that is going into controlling the class. Mm-hmm. A
1: big part of it I would think is the same that I mentioned before, where they've just come to realize the futility of engaging in that exercise with the administrators. Um, but then also, it's it's kind of a machine, a disease that works against you if you really want to actually make change. You know, they'll they'll um, administrators tend to fail upwards. So when when something doesn't work at a school, you know, they'll just get some job at the district office or something, you know, and they'll become an administrator over a different region or more, you know, authority or something like that. And then those administrators are going to give, you know, favor to all the teachers or whatever on campus that were compliant with all of these contradictory directives. So it's this machine that just keeps feeding itself and if you ever actually want to truly fix something, they'll just find a way to get rid of you or make your life miserable or something like that. So self-preservation would be my guess with the teachers. So
0: essentially, if you follow the administrators and you follow the flow, you, you'll be in favor, so the principals, when they get promoted to other positions, they become superintendents, they can put you in other positions that pay more and you yeah. will improve your career. And if you kind of speak up, you might lose your job. Put a big old target
1: on your back, oh yeah. And maybe not lose your job, but it'll become miserable. Difficult. Yeah.
0: When was it? Was there a time that you noticed this is happening? Well, I can tell you a difference.
1: So uh, about 12 years ago, I taught in another town. I was teaching high school at the time and the principal there was, he was pretty solid. You know, he he also ran a pretty tight ship. I I believe he was like a naval officer or something like that before. So he was, you know, it was abundantly clear to the students and to the faculty that there was no tolerance, whatever, whatsoever for disrespect and defiance. And ironically enough, I didn't really even get along with this principal very much, but I respected him, you know, because he was, you know, he did a, he did a good job making sure that the campus was in order. And if a student, I mean, all the students on campus knew that if, the, if you treated a teacher the way that we're being treated now, you would be walking to the office being ready to receive what what will be, I mean, it, will, it would be like short of the hand of God itself descending upon you. Like it was going to be really bad when you go to the office and that is not the feeling. That's not the attitude that students feel now when they go to the office. It's it's a literal joke. It's a literal punchline. Everyone's laughing, high-fiving, slapping, oh, call security, oh, oh, you know, it's a big old, big old joke. And when I was a kid, going to the office was a big deal. You know, you got in a lot of trouble for that kind of stuff. And so this principal back in uh, 2009-ish, you know, somewhere around there, that was the last semblance that I saw of real order happening on campus. And since then it's just been
0: (laughs) So why did you get into this profession to be a teacher? Well.
1: I guess when I was in high school I kind of had a feeling that I would enjoy it you know that I I like um, I like having a captive audience of people who are eager to learn certain material you know I wish I could say my subject but I can't there's still plenty of times where I'm working with a student and you know we have a great time but it's all this other interference that you're just dealing with that's totally unnecessary just like you know, when I was talking about this high school principal, and if I if I had an open question to all administrators today, it would be, why on earth are you running this interference on yourself? Like, why wouldn't you make it wholly and abundantly clear to students that there's absolutely no tolerance for defiance and disrespect on campus? It, it would make all of your jobs easier. Like, <laughs> yes, of course, at first you're going to have a surge of suspensions and a surge of expulsions because you guys have been avoiding it for so long but after that initial surge you're going to go down to the levels that you claim you want to be at because right now and I don't know this for sure I don't have like the you know the the political um, citations for this but from what i understand all schools are trying to get rid of suspensions all schools are trying to get rid of expulsions you know because it looks bad on the record you know oh this is a bad school because they expelled such and such many students this year but you know it's all just optics you guys are just running all this interference on your on your career for optics and it's it's nonsense
0: now do you think this profession the teaching profession which a lot of us respect mm-hmm. highly respect is going to lose its dignity if it continues. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Definitely.
1: I wish I could elaborate on that further, but that's as uh, succinct as I can be on that. Yeah, it'll definitely be a a problem.
0: And now what about these students? What do you think will happen to them if the the rate that is going on, the lack of discipline, continues? Do you think there is going to be a big impact on these students? Obviously, when you grew up, you you went to the public schools, right? Here Here in California, right? Yep. So
1: academia, for some crazy reason, just they live in this fantasy land where they think, you know, things you can do on this campus, you know, are gonna have different results than in the outside world, which is nonsense. Like the whole point of sending a kid to school is to realize what's gonna happen if you do certain things, you know, in the real world. Yes, maybe to a smaller degree, you know, it's not gonna have the severity and the harshness of the real world. But if you're a student and you hit someone, you know, on a school campus, you're probably gonna get hit back, right? That's the way it's gonna be when you're an adult, except it's gonna be a lot harder. Um, So, Ultimately, when it comes to these students, like you were talking about, it's going to, this this lack of respect will certainly bleed into the public arena and will contribute to the breakdown of law and order. It's, and I think a lot of the country is seeing that more and more every day. The students absolutely do not respect the administration and by proxy, you know, the authority in the classroom. And just like the teachers, I don't blame them. Uh, because I, I have a positive outlook on life, and I'm a very experienced teacher, strong work ethic. I run a tight ship. I'm responsible. I'm punctual. I'm thorough, and I don't respect the administrator. So what is a student with a, who is exhibiting all the opposite qualities that I just mentioned? How much respect are they going to have you know, for the administrator compared to me? So... Um, When it comes to the students, the community at large is going to be dealing with this problem in the near future.
0: Mr. Peterson, you didn't bring up the parents in this equation. What is the role (laughs) to the, what are the, most of our audience probably are parents. Yeah. What roles do they play in this equation?
1: Well, this is another one of my, uh, I guess I'll just go through my educational philosophy with you because it's not a popular one for administrators, but it's a very popular one for parents. So my educational philosophy let me give you what is the expected narrative that you're supposed to give as a teacher so you're supposed to always put students first you know and then next usually comes the uh, you know the administration slash school board and then finally parents you know that's what we're supposed to that's where uh, that's where our loyalty is supposed to lie students first principal second
0: parents last and what does that mean, to your loyalty? Like, is it sharing information, sharing the grades? Just
1: all of the decisions you make, where you're always supposed to have your mindset, you know, the way you frame every question or the way you frame every request, all that stuff. It's always supposed to be students first, principal second, or school board second, you know, and then parents last, because we're the experts, you know. The parents aren't the experts. We, the, the you know, the righteous, uh, what would you what would you call it? Uh, the anointed. We're the experts, and the parents listen to us because we know what we're doing, which is nonsense, <laughs> right? So, uh, my educational philosophy is the parents come first, you know, and then my loyalty is to the administration or whatever the policies of the campus are, and the students come last. Um, And this is because the students actually don't have the agency yet to understand truly the consequences of their behavior. That's why they're in school, that's why they're students. Do you
0: think the school system is treating students as adults? Yes.
1: And they're putting them right in the front of the line. They're they're wanting to fulfill the students' desires and it's a very dangerous thing. What if they
0: have the wrong desires because they don't know anything? They're They're there to learn, right?
1: yeah there you go (laughs) that's exactly that's exactly how i feel the students they as much as we would like to say it they don't have the agency to understand those things yet and the parents are i think parents should be first in my you know my loyalty prioritization because they're the ones who are closest to the students you know and the teachers are next because parents see the students most of the time when they're at home yeah, you know, I see the student most of the time when they're on campus. The principal might see the student once or twice a semester, right? And then the school board and all those people will never see the student. So that should be the order of where we're directing our attention. So, me, what a parent really wants when they send their student to school, I mean, yes, if a student is in a history class, they're going to want them to know that Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492, and we. That's nice, right? But what a parent really wants, they want a model. They want someone standing in front of the room who's gonna model these character qualities that they want that student, their child to repeat, right? Things like conflict resolution, right? Um, Organization, punctuality, you know, daily manners and courtesy. All of these things are what reasonable parents are gonna want their students to mimic when they get home. That's what they really care about. They don't care so much about the actual content matter. Students tend not to care about this stuff. They don't care as much about manners and responsibility and courtesy and punctuality and stuff because even if there are students who do care about these things, usually they're much more um, they're they're much more inclined to want to goof off and play because that's what kids do, right? So. They have to be trained to do all this stuff. They have all these long-term goals that we have for students. The students don't really feel like doing boring, repetitive tasks right? to drill and learn stuff like that. They don't really feel like running faster or whatever is in the subject matter. right? So this, the, the adult in the room, the teacher is supposed to be the model. That's what parents really want. And if I was a principal and I was interviewing teachers, I would feel much more at ease um, if I, if I could identify a, a a candidate's character qualities and not so much their certification. So I want to make sure I want to know what they're going to deal, what they're going to do when it comes to conflict resolution and, you know, organization and, you know, all those other things that I mentioned. So that being my educational philosophy and that parents are really what gets most of my loyalty. I want to do what they want what their desires for their child is, you know, which you could could safely across the board claim that most parents want their students to be responsible, you know, organized, all that stuff, right? So that's what I have to model in the classroom, which will include when a student walks in and they're defiant and disrespectful that I put a stop to it immediately, right? Not only am I doing that just to get order in my classroom, but I'm showing another student how to stop that in their life if it happens to them. And,
0: and also teach the other student that this is not right. You got it. And now, that's <laughs> do you think there is gonna be a point, cause if the California education, the public schools get worse than what they are, do you think there's gonna be a point that the whole society will r- lose respect for the teachers and the principals and administrators?
1: Yeah, if we're not already there. Cause I, I would feel that at least the majority of students on campus just kind of know that the, the the whole program's a joke right that you can teach you can treat the teacher however you want the teacher is more of a buddy now and not someone who is an authority figure you know who has a purpose and a plan in front of the room you know the, the students not with me because I stopped it right away but they call their teacher brah you know or they call their teacher you know, dude you know, or just leave me alone, I'm chilling. You know, they think that you're a buddy now and I'm not their buddy. When <laughs> they find that out. I had some students who called me bra and I'm like, nope, you will not call me that again, I guarantee it. You know, I'm not your bra, I'm not your cousin, right? I'm your teacher. When you come in here, when you cross that boundary line, when that when you're going over that threshold from the door outside to inside, you are in a whole new world here, right? Here's another way to put it. So. Uh, the the big, another big narrative on campuses today are uh, every student needs to learn that they have a voice, right? Oh, it's so important that they learn they have a voice and it's nonsense, right? The What r- would be more accurately stated is every student needs to learn that they have a place. And I don't mean that... What
0: does it mean with voice? What do they want so, like so they have like the activist kind
1: of mentality, right? Like if, if a student doesn't like something, ban a bunch of students together and storm the office with all your stupid picket signs and stuff, right? <laughs> like, and then if the students band together, oh, every student is so, you know, is so special and perfect exactly as they are. We need to listen to every one of their concerns, which we talked about already. Most of the time a student's concerns and desires are going to be not to do the work, right? Or to capitalize or manipulate something that went down that they're going to try to, you know, position themselves. What if they want to do something to wrong. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So it's not as important, obviously, that students have a voice. It's much more important that the students understand their place because if your student understands their place and they know that when there are certain places you walk into, you have a role and you have a purpose. Just like if you go to your grandparents' house, at least this is with me, my grandparents' house was always much nicer than our house, right? Everything was spick and span, tidy. And I knew when I walked over that threshold in the door, I'm in a new place now, you know, and I can't be running around, jumping on what I want and throwing things around over here, right? It should be that same attitude when a student walks into a classroom. I'm I'm in a special place now. I'm in a safe and controlled environment And there's a person up there in the front of the room with information that I need, and I'm going to listen and pay attention, you know, and yada, 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 all that stuff. Um, That is much more what a school needs than teaching students how to, you know, uh, band together and campaign and picket and be this activist nonsense.
0: Do you have any advice? So it looks like like there is a lot at stake here for you guys. You know, it's... uh, the public is finding out the public education is not doing that well. We're spending a lot of money on it. And at some point, things will break down if we're not close to breaking down. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for the teachers? What, what can you guys do together?
1: For other teachers, man, that's a tough one. Um, keep giving the office pressure, you know, and don't tolerate the gaslighting. Don't tolerate the... Um, you know, the the delaying of penalty and punishment. My advice to parents, and this is definitely not going to win any popularity contests for me, but take your kids out of public school (laughs) and get them them homeschooled if you can. Yeah, that's what I do with my kids.
0: Do you have any other thoughts for our audience?
1: No, thank you for (laughs) taking the time to listen to me.
0: Mr. Peterson, thank you for coming on California Insider.
1: My pleasure, thank you. (laughs)
0: we want to ask you to sign up to our california insider email list you will receive exclusive updates on our upcoming documentary and get the latest inside stories on everything that's happening in california go to insiderca.com and sign up